Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion. It's been a while, but we are back. And I am um, joined today by Beth Lindup. How are you, Beth? Yeah, good, thanks, Fitzy. I've had the, uh, had the leggy all of this. The leggy has spread to your computer. Um, just while Beth is sorting, I was sorting out Beth's technical problems with uh, online leggy. Um, we shall welcome our other guest, uh, Joe Rimmer. How are you, Joe? Not too bad, but Beth's computer's got the virus as well. Thanks, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Good man, good man. She's Beth. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, I had a, had a little technical error there, but yeah, I, uh, I'm hope, hopefully me and my computer will, will get through this one okay. Excellent. No problem. It'll be the first time I've stumbled through one of these, so don't worry about that. Um, all right, let's talk all things Liverpool. It's good to know that you are both good and, and healthy and fine. And everyone listening, hope you're all well. Um, thank you for downloading this once again and all the other podcasts as well. It really, really is appreciated. Um, we uh, Well, if we'd have said just coming up to Christmas, we'd be top of the league. We would have bitten your hand off, Joe Rimmer. Um, but such is the uh, the form of Liverpool at the moment. You know, it's one of, been one of them dogged starts to the season, and it? Dogged, you know... Um, getting jobs done, not necessarily, you know, 25 chances a game, not necessarily the the the, the spectacular form that we had, you know, with, with the Mane and Firmino and Salah and then that midfield, which seemed to be, you know, dynamic and swashbuckling. This is more sort of socks rolled up, industrial, but still getting the job done, Joe, and still, and, and the facts don't lie, we are top of the league at the moment. That's absolutely it. I mean, I think, I think people always... You look back on like the title winning season, don't you, and think that they were they were swashbuckling all the time. And I think you forget. I mean, Sheffield United is a is a good reference point, isn't it? Because that that game the other day absolutely stunk, didn't it, as a spec spectacle? But but Liverpool got the job done. They got three points, and and they'll be pleased to get out of it. And and if you look back at the the the, um, the year they won the title, I think they won one nil there with a really scrappy goal from from Wijnaldum, which I think was deflected. Um, so. I think, especially away at some of those teams, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace has always won. I can't really remember many times, or at the 7-0 in the pandemic aside, I can't remember many times when they've gone down there and really put together a sparkling performance. But you've just got to go into them. You've got to get through the atmosphere. You've got to get through the challenges. You've got to get through conceding goals and chances and win the game. And I think one of the most impressive things about Liverpool this season is we've seen... Every side of them, haven't we? We've seen them sparkle. We've seen them come from behind. We've seen them. We've seen them sort of defend. We've seen them attack, and now we've seen them dig in and, and get these scrappy results. And you know, I'm pretty sure some of their rivals, but will be looking Man City. You know, and I'm sure they'll click into gear next year. But you know, I'm sure they'll be looking at Liverpool and saying, "We wish we'd have scrapped through some of these games recently and got the points." So it's not always about the performances and and. I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool play far better against Man United and Arsenal in the next two games than they have done against Sheffield United and Crystal Palace because, you know, that those games, there'll be more space to play. That those teams will come to play a little bit more and try to beat Liverpool. So I think they'll be better spectacles. Um, but, yeah, can't complain this season. Even And don't forget as well, I think a lot of people are overlooking the fact that Liverpool got some bad injuries to some key players. And there's a lot made of injuries to Arsenal, to Man United, to City. But... Andy Robertson hasn't played now for over a month. Thiago's not played 
not kicked a football this season. Even Stefan Basesic, well, he's played one Europa League game. Um, <clears throat> and obviously Jot has been injured. Now they're going to go into to games without McAllister. Matip's going to be out for the season. So they, they've got some bad injuries and they've scrapped their way through. So they deserve a lot of credit. And, um, you know, I think I think we can look forward to this next run of games. Um with with a lot of positivity because Liverpool are showing that they've they've got a bit of strength of character this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was um, uh, the Wijnaldum goal you're talking about. I think the keeper spilled it, didn't it? It went under the keeper and went over the line. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Well needed. He clawed it, didn't he? He clawed it and, and, mm. and it went over the line. But then again, it's a, it's a great point, Beth, that, that, that Joe makes. You forget about those ones, don't you? And you think about the swashbuckle and stuff, and the, it's easy to put them all into a nice bite-sized clip on Twitter, isn't it? And, and see how wonderfully the back heels were and stuff. But there was still a lot of goals that we really, really had to scrap for. Henderson coming off the bench and smashing one in there in the last few minutes as well. You know, there was a lot where we were coming from behind or coming from a draw situation. And that shows a lot of strength of character, doesn't it? And it shows that uh, Liverpool are, are, are ready for anything. And more of a plan B possibly as well now with the introduction 60, 70 minutes into games to seem a bit stale. You've got that kind of... You know, it's been Harvey Elliott's the mainstay, but you've had Gakpo joining them. And it just seems to bewilder teams that have set out a game plan for 90 minutes. And 70 minutes in, you've got someone running between the lines. It just seems to be creating a lot of chances, Beth, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think Klopp said himself, actually, after that Sheffield United game, you know, if we're, gonna, if we're only going to win the games that we play fantastically well, we'd only win probably five or six games a season. And I think that is very much true. I think to win a title, you've got to to be able to win ugly um, and to win in a variety of different ways um, and like you say I think the fact that Liverpool now have such a such a, a well-stocked squad at their disposal obviously we have got injuries at the moment and you imagine over this busy festive period unfortunately you might end up losing one or two more but um, you know the, the players that, that Liverpool have been able to call on off the bench I actually think when, when you look back now at the players that they've got and the players that they had in the in the title winning season and the season that they won the Champions League I think Liverpool's squad looks perhaps stronger than it has in, in a really long time when you look at players who you know the players sat on the bench a lot of them would be starting for a lot of other teams you feel and um, you know, of course, we had Divock Origi and, and Minamino and players who came on and did actually score some big goals for Liverpool. But in terms of across a, a 38 game season in the Premier League, maybe didn't contribute, you know, as much in terms of felt like they could always impact a game or change a game. Whereas I think, you know, this season that there's so many players who you feel can come on and affect the game. Um, and Harvey Elliott has obviously been the, the epitome of that, hasn't he? And, you know, as Obviously, looking back at the Europa League game last night, I was slightly disappointed with with Harvey Elliott. I think, you know, there's not too much. I don't think you can sort of judge anyone too harshly for that that performance last night. It was a much changed team. Obviously, the job was already done. But I think with Harvey Elliott, I know he has said this season, he doesn't want to be a super sub. He wants to be the sort of player that's starting every game. Um, but I think he has, he has thrived far more coming off the bench than he has when he started games. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's... It's Liverpool's. It's one of their greatest strengths at the moment that they do have that such a high caliber of player to to be able to call on off the bench. Yeah, I mean there will be times, obviously, when Elliot is required from the start, but he, he just seems to. I mean, it must be very frustrating for him in many ways. Uh, I've, I've called David Sverkluff, uh super sub. See how it goes down. Um, because, you know, it was one. It was thing that he was proud. David Fairclough was immensely proud of, but also very, very. Um, uh, frustrated with the fact that super sub is, is the moniker that he left with um but you know the facts are that Harvey Elliott has been changing things Joe we've had this situation haven't we at Liverpool where we can play we can play expansive football when we're playing against teams that want to that want to play that as well and it creates creates spaces but a majority you know you go outside the top eight and nine teams in this league you are facing teams who are going to get 10 behind the ball they've got mm -hmm. different wage structures they've got different budgets most of us are trying to survive. And Liverpool have struggled, I think, uh, for, for for many years now, being able to to deal with that with that ten behind the ball, haven't they? And uh, and you know, seasons past they've had they've just been belting down the wings, haven't they? Robbo and Trent and just knocking balls into areas where there's seven or eight of their defenders to to one of ours. It just seems, and I hope I'm not I'm touching wood as I speak, but it just seems that lately with that the idea of getting. Harvey Elliott, who's very, very industrious, very quick, very, very snappy at the heels, isn't he? For certainly for short periods of time. It just seems to be um, 
working very, very nicely for Liverpool as a plan B, doesn't it? Gakpo being the other one as well. They just seem to they give teams a completely different set of set of worries, don't they? And, and so far, it's provided uh, it's provided uh, winning position. We're at eighteen points, I think, from losing positions, isn't it? They're the best in the league for it. So, feels like there is a there is sort of a plan B. To hang your hat on now. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, and that's that is the challenge for Elliot, isn't it? I I think he's he seems to be at his best when you say when teams drop deeper and deeper in, in the during the course of a game. You know, I think Wolves is a good example, and then Palace um, last weekend. He seems to be able to find little pockets of space. He seems to work little chances, and he also can shoot from range. And I suppose one thing Liverpool didn't have, with the exception of maybe one or two brilliant Fabinho goals, was when they won when they had that title winning team. They didn't have players in midfield who, who shot a lot from range. Whereas I feel like they've got that a bit more now with Elliot and um, Sabozlai in particular. Um, obviously, Oxide chamberlain was the man for that, wasn't he, during that time, but he suffered, suffered a lot of injuries. So I think Elliot is good at unpicking those defences, but I suppose for him, the, the flip side of that is from the start when the game is a bit more stretched, I don't think he's quite as influential. So, you know, I think last night, Beth's right. Slightly disappointing to not see him to get on the ball more and to dominate a little bit more and to make things happen a bit more. And I think Klopp did challenge him to do that in the press conference before the game, but we didn't quite see that from him. Um, but he's a, he's a great option to have off the bench. And, and Liverpool have got good options, haven't they, with him and, and Jota with the forward line. You can rotate till your heart's content, really, can't you, when they're all fit and, and you, you have different options there. But yeah, Elliot's been one that for a while I, I, I sort of debate with, with other members of our, our team about because... I really like him as a footballer. I think he's got great ability. I think he's got a great attitude. Really seems like a really bright young lad who, who applies himself. Um, seems very down to earth. Um, but for, at Liverpool, I, I think I think he get into a lot of other teams in the league. But at Liverpool, I think it's it just don't know where his position is. I don't think he's a winger. And I think when he's playing him in field, he's got to be more influential from the start. And I'm not necessarily seeing that from him a lot. So. Him finding a long-term position, I think, will be interesting. But he's a great option to have. He's 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 definitely been been very good coming off the bench this season. And Liverpool are going to need that a lot if they're going to stay at the top of the table and and challenge for big prizes because they're going to have to find a way past, like you say, if it's see those teams that that sit deep. Because the the better Liverpool become, I think, the more teams will will not fancy their chances against Liverpool. And the 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 more we'll see teams dig in and sit deep and. You know, actually, you know, I said before they might be more expansive, but I think Man United will probably try and do that a bit at the weekend. Well, it'll be interesting. I mean, Beth, United United uh, at the weekend come to us as a. I mean, they're on different strategies and on different stratospheres at the moment. What I meant to say, different trajectories. Uh, Liverpool, you know, flying high, digging in, getting stuck in as a squad and playing as a team. United are bewildered, aren't they? United are you know, a team of individuals down and tools at the moment and, and with a lot of injuries and, and, um, and of course, um, Fernandez missing because of his, um, his, his yellow card. Uh, one of the situ, I mean, it's probably one of the more comfortable I've ever, comfortable I've ever felt going into United game. And that's always dangerous, isn't it? Because, you know, derbies, United games, they can, they can flip up anything, can't they? But just picking up on what Joe said, Beth, I mean, I find that one person that seems to, um, to benefit from Harvey Elliott is, is Mo Salah. He seems to be excited when he comes on because he he links up quite well on the right there, doesn't he? And, and and again, it's what Joe says. We're trying to it's trying to find the position that Harvey Elliott can maintain during the ninety minutes of a game. Just at the moment, he's very much stamping his authority on that. Just in between the midfield and Salah, bringing Salah into the game, and he certainly seems to enjoy playing with him, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And I think since he came to the club, actually, Harvey Elliott has been very vocal about how much of an influence Mo Salah has been for him. And it was really nice, actually, after that Palace game last week, they, they did an interview together and both were very complimentary about each other. And just nice from a human perspective, obviously, to see that that level of, of camaraderie within the squad and, and the fact, you know, I mean, anyone, any young player could benefit from playing alongside and learning from, from Hamid Salah, couldn't they? And um, and yeah, I think they, they definitely have a real a real connection on the pitch as well. And, and Harvey Elliott actually played really well. I think he started that, that 7-0, didn't he, against United last season? Or certainly he got the assist, didn't he, for, for one of the goals? And, um, you know, obviously I'm sure he'd be chomping at the bit to, to get on the pitch on 
on Sunday. But yeah, going back to, to what you said, Fitzy, I'm like you I, in the sense that I, I feel quite confident in a lot of ways when you look at the forms of, of the two sides going into this one. But that in turn makes me feel quite anxious because I think, well, United have got nothing to lose. Absolutely no one is expecting them to to get anything on Sunday. They are, you know, obviously Liverpool have had their injuries, but to be fair to United, they have probably struggled, you know, perhaps more than anyone else in the league alongside Newcastle, maybe. Um, and, you know, they've had a, had a rotten week, obviously, going out of Europe, losing to Bournemouth. Um, and, yeah, the, the, the expectation will be completely on Liverpool. Um, and I imagine United will probably just look to, to get as many men behind the ball as possible and, and hit Liverpool on the break. And we've seen as good as Liverpool have been this season that they can still be quite vulnerable on the counter-attack. So they'll still have to put in a strong performance. And, I, you know, I very much doubt, I hope I'm wrong, but I very much doubt it will be another sort of 7-0 job. I think it will be far more closely fought affair and I'm just hopeful that, that Liverpool don't sort of buy into their own hype ahead of this one because um yeah it would be be some way to sort of come back down to earth wouldn't it if uh, if Manchester United get something on Sunday at Anfield. Yeah absolutely you start that by saying Manchester United are going not to lose <laughs> oh they may have a manager to lose before too long. I mean, Liverpool have a an uncanny uh, reputation don't they Joe for getting rid of Man United managers just after a game against Liverpool. I mean, Ten Hag cuts a lonely figure, doesn't he, there on his own there. And, and you've got to say, I don't want to make this about them, so we'll, we'll wrap it up very briefly, but it's quite nice to wallow sometimes, isn't it? Um, he, he's uh, he's in a lot of trouble, isn't he? And, and the whole team, isn't it? The whole structure of that place that we've all, and certainly my generation, watched hammering people week in, week out. Interesting to see the, the old castle crumbling. And, and um, they are a beleaguered side with a manager who's, who's hanging on by his, his Ten Hag fingertips, isn't he? Yeah, well, I grew up in the nineties, Neil. So, I I love nothing more than than um, than talking about Man United's problems. Um, so, I, it's um, it's weird this game because I feel like my mindset going into it is it's almost like a derby. You know, in in derbies where Everton would come to Anfield and you think we should beat these, we're we're a better team. But for all that, you just know it's a derby. So there's there's something you don't go in with supreme confidence. And it's the same with this, really. I think they're not a good team. They've got a lot of injury problems. They're, they're in a very low ebb, but it is Man United. And and there's that little bit of jeopardy, isn't there? But it, I just find it remarkable that the clubs have like, they've like role reversed from when I was sort of like, when I was like a teenager, you know, Liverpool would have one year where you'd think, right, we're, we've, we've got to ourselves, we've got to second under Hule or whatever, and under Evans. And you'd think, you know, we're a force again now and everyone would get excited. And then the next season they were back down to fourth, fifth, sixth. And it was all falling apart and everyone was laughing at us. And and then Liverpool got their act together and United have just got, since Ferguson left, has got, have gone the opposite way. And yeah, you know, I mean, before the 7-0 last year, people were talking about United as if they were a force again, Ten Hag. I mean, I know they won the League Cup, but I felt like people were getting carried away. And I always felt Liverpool were the, the better team. They were just in a bad state with injuries and with players sort of coming to a, a point in their careers when they needed to be moved on. And I went into the season so confident that Liverpool would be a far better team than United. I didn't think they would be this bad, but I mean, Ten Hag does look on borrowed time and, and Liverpool really need to, like, I think Beth's right, they, they, they can't be overconfident, but they need to be confident that they can expose this team because they are not a good team. And, um, you know, I, I think hopefully it is in the back of their mind that they've cost managers their jobs at United because they can really turn the screw and, and make their miserable week even more miserable which would make us all happy at this lovely Christmas time wouldn't it <laughs> you couldn't have put that better if you'd have wrapped it up and put a little card on it saying too fitty do you know Dan, um, Dan K once said to me that United are, are like I think he said they're like a vampire and you have to drive you have to drive the stake into their heart until they're fully dead so <laughs> let's, let's we'll do that to Ten Hag at the weekend words of wisdom from the wonderful yeah. Dan K um yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? It's, it's, um, I mean, of course, the massive irony of it is that there's only one manager who could, uh, who could go anywhere near trying to turn that club around from the inside out, and we've got him. He's, he tried to get him, and he, and he, I think it was his quote was, the whole place seemed a bit too Hollywood for me. Um, and boy, was he right. Wage structure problems, do people on sit, sitting opposite someone who's on three times your wages. You know, you could just see all that crumbling, couldn't you? So long may that continue, and I absolutely hope it's a, it's an utter thrashing. Um, 
come the weekend. One thing we have to say, Beth, don't we? I mean, we're talking about Liverpool and, and how well they're doing. And it's no coincidence that the, a couple of seasons ago, you know, um, Klopp signed two players that, that made Liverpool a team they are, didn't he? Let's face it. I mean, obviously, Salah aside, the two main purchases that were made were um, Van Dijk and Alisson. And, and these two, once again, have, are in are in scintillating form, aren't they? You can really see Van Dijk is starting to play with that. You know, he he was always he was always very rarely out of second gear kind of player. When he, he and then he went through that injury and then he came back from it and you could see him sweating and running and almost trying too hard. He seems to have eased back into that role of uh, just that nonchalant kind of kind of uh, incredible level above defender, doesn't he? Again, yeah, there are times, of course, we we, we run a high line and there are times when. Team counter, that's what they're set up for. But there just seems to be he did something in, in a game recently where he went to hit the ball and he just back flicked it to a player. And, he, and he, you just think that's he's back in his groove now, isn't he? and Allison pulling off some absolute worldies again. And with them two at the at the spine of your of your team, you can't go far wrong, can you? Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. No, they, they've both been tremendous, probably Liverpool's best players this season, really. Um, and I think you're spot on with Van Dijk, that word nonchalance. I think that, that sort of epitomises how he's been this season. And and when I think of, of him, it is very, very peak a couple of years back. But, you know, the, the enduring image is just him sort of that look of disdain he'd almost give attackers when they'd try and take him on. And it was almost sort of like, you know, how have you got the audacity to try and take me on? And, and he just seems to, to sort of swat everyone aside so easily. And he, he's sort of reverted back to that a little bit now. And, you know, he is a slightly different player to to who he was before the injury. But also, you know, he's he's obviously older as well. And, and as you get older, you lose a little bit of pace and you have to adapt your game slightly. And I think Van Dijk's sort of biggest asset has always been sort of his intelligence, his way that he's read the game and he's always sort of been in the right place at the right time. And he lost that a little bit, I think, sort of coming back from the injury and then playing in a side that were struggling last season. Uh, but yeah, the, the, this season, it just seems like since he's got the armbands, he's he's just sort of gone from strength to strength, really. And, and Alisson behind him, I mean, it, you know, I dread the day that, that we lose Alisson Becker because, you know, I, he's certainly the, the greatest goalkeeper that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, you know, I know that there have been some tremendous goalkeepers for Liverpool in the past, but I, you know, I think he's he's one of the, the greatest ever. I really do, and you know, we saw that again against Palace. He made a fantastic save, I think, from from Lerma in the first half, and um, and at the end again as well. He, he's just, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of, of Kevin Kelleher, and and I do feel for him a little bit. He was probably thinking he might have had a slightly longer run in the team than, than he did in the end, but I think you watch his performances, and as good as he is, and as much as I think he should probably, you know, next season move on because he deserves to be be a number one somewhere else. I think. Um, you know, it's chalk and cheese in terms of the quality that, that Alisson possesses and, and anyone else possesses, really. And, you know, you look at Arsenal and, and, and that's one of the reasons that I'm not too confident about Arsenal winning the league, because I think you look at the two goalkeepers they've got there and in Aaron Ramsdale and, and David Raya and, and neither of them massively convinced me. And I just think, you know, when you compare that to, to Alisson, you know, he's on a different planet, I think, to most other goalkeepers in the league. And, that's why I would really, really love Liverpool to, to go on and, and win something this season and, and hopefully win the league because I think you look at, at some of the players that are still at the club, Mo Salah, Alison Becker, Virgil van Dijk, and, and we think, you know, probably won't have them all together for, for too much longer, unfortunately. You know, they're, they're all getting older. Mo Salah perhaps might move on elsewhere. And, yeah, I'd just love them to, to be able to win something in front of the fans and, and you know, I, I think they've been absolute legends for this football club and, and I want them to win as much as possible while we've still got them. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> talking of another player who's, who didn't cost us a penny and it was one of Klopp's first signings to the club, Joel Matip. Unfortunately, um, he's done his ACL, and he? So, mm -hmm. it's a uh, goodbye for this season, I think. Um, Klopp did hint at, um, and you don't know whether Klopp says this to try and force hands sometimes when he goes, when he goes public with stuff, but he did say, didn't he? He said, I think, um, it would only be right to offer him a, a contract, a year contract anyway, mm -hmm. uh, when he's all right again because he deserves it. I mean, he does, doesn't he? He's been a, he's been a, an incredible player for Liverpool, mate, and he's been one of them dependables. He's had his injury problems, but he's never really let us down. As he? he's had a couple of rough games over the years, but generally he's he, he's the person who 
who you really depend on any in situations, and he and he just does that wonderful thing. And alongside Van Dyke, sometimes they've, they've just been. It's just the calm versus the super calm, isn't it? And, and, and it's exactly what you need in the back there. So yeah. hopefully we get more out of him. I think with Matip, he's one of those players that we won't fully appreciate until he is until he is gone. Because, um, I mean, obviously as well, next to Van Dyke, a bit like Kelleher there with, with what Beth was saying. I think Kelleher is a really good goalkeeper. But you put him next to Van Dyke and you think, well, he's nowhere near. But that doesn't, you know, that nobody is really near Alisson in world football, only maybe Edison. And it's the same, really, for for Matip. I mean, he's a he's a great centre half, and he'd walk into most teams in the league. And you look at the, some of the problems. Look at the problems United have had at centre back. You know, like Matip. I don't think you would ask if you ask many Man United fans, would Matip get in your team? I don't think they would say he's a, he's a better player than Varane or or maybe even Maguire or who's the little the midget that they have at centre half that Carragher, Martinez. And I think most most United fans wouldn't put him ahead of them. But he's been brilliant for Liverpool and he would easily walk into some of these teams. So I think we have been spoiled in that regard. Um I don't I, I'm not so sure about giving him a new contract. I suppose the the, the big reason why you would is because you wouldn't want too much to turn over at centre back next season. And if you bring in one more quality one, then having Matip for another season makes sense. Um but yeah, I mean yeah, love the man. I, I also think the the um you know the sort of like the massive sort of meme thing, you know, the, the, the what was it? What's it? The, um, God, that's gone out of my head, the Twitter account. What's no context, Joel Matip. No context, Joel Matip. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Uh, but, but that has almost made him, people don't take him as seriously enough as a footballer. And he's a brilliant, brilliant centre half because he's a bit of a meme. He's a, he's a character, isn't he? Um, and he's funny, but he's been a brilliant player for Liverpool. But just a quick mention for, um, Jarrell Kwanzaa, who, who gave one of my favourite quotes from a Liverpool player recently when he said last night, didn't he, that, yeah, um, shame for Matip being injured for the season, but I was planning on being ahead of him this season anyway, so it's fine. And I love that <laughs> attitude. It's, it's fine. I don't think Joe Matip will mind that. And I think Kwanzaa really looks like he's got the attributes to be a, a top-class centre-half. I love the way he passes the ball. I think he, he passes with such style and pace. He's, he's good in the air. He's got good pace. And if he just sort of keeps getting experience under his belt. I think I think he could he could feature in Liverpool's future for sure. So, you know, we'll only know over the course of a season, but um, Qantas seems to have a, a lot, a really high ceiling, put it that way. Well, you'd always know, Beth, don't you, when Liverpool start introducing players at very young ages into, into premiership games, and you always know that they, they, they hold a certain quality for them, don't they? They know. They know the difference, don't they? You know, we've had players in the past, haven't we, that have skirted over the squads of Liverpool and never quite got there. Kwanzaa gets thrown into Premier, Premier League games and you just think, okay, this kid's clearly got something. And his goal last night was brilliantly tough, wasn't it? it was, you know, it was behind him on it and he turns and smashes that into the roof of the net. There's definitely a future for, for Kwanzaa, isn't there, um, in this side. And then, of course, Canate as well. So, without the Kwanzaa sort of, you know, without finding out about him, the discovery of Kwanzaa, it was a little bit worrying, wasn't it? But um, it seems to me like, it won't be long before he's uh, he's, be, he's able to deputy any of them, really. Yeah, I, I suppose as well. That's where you've got to give credit to, to Klopp and and you know Liverpool's recruitment team in the sense that I think there were a lot of us over the summer that really felt that Liverpool had made a mistake not going out and, and getting another centre half in. And you know, I still, especially in light of Matip's injury, I would like for them to, to go and get someone in January, just purely because I think Joe Gomez and, and Ibrahima Panate, their injury records haven't been great, have they, the last few years? So. Um, you know, I, I would like to see Liverpool bolster the, the defensive area a little bit in January. But, you know, by not going and buying a, a centre-half over the summer, that's allowed Jarrell Quanta to come through. And, and the manager and, and the staff at, at Liverpool have obviously seen something in him and felt that, you know, he was ready to make that step up. And I think, you know, you look at him in a team last night with a lot of young players and, you know, incredible experience for most of them. But you look at a lot of them and think, you know, they are still youth players it's still maybe going to take them a little bit of time maybe going on loan elsewhere before they're really sort of up to speed and and could really you know play a part for for the first team but I think you Jarrell Quant said there's not been once this season where I've thought that I think he's looked every inch a senior player and obviously he'll have been frustrated against Palace to have given that penalty away I thought it was you know slightly unlucky with with that one but um, aside from that, he's, he's scarcely put a foot wrong. Um, and yeah, I was delighted for him to get the goal, especially because he had one quite unfairly ruled out, didn't he, a few weeks ago in the Europa League as well. But um, a gorgeous finish. 
Um, and yeah, I, I, I think he's got a very bright future ahead. I think Canate, I'm a huge fan of him. Um, you know, I always think back to his performance against against Madrid in the Champions League final, and he's best player on the pitch probably in that in that game. And I think lately, you know, obviously his injuries have played a part, but I think his form has been a little bit more up and down. He's looked a little bit erratic at times. You know, he he's, seems to always have a, a slightly dodgy yellow card in him at, at present, but we've seen him, you know, reach a very high level at Liverpool. I still think he's got another level to go and and hopefully now he can stay injury free for as long as possible and, and help Liverpool achieve something really special this season. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Let's move into the midfield. It's, if there's one thing that's, that just uh, isn't the, the final article at the moment, yeah, it's been very, very difficult. Lost in time midfield. That's a replacer. Uh, Endo, um, of course, McAllister. We've got loads of midfielders, let's be We've got a plethora of midfielders. I feel like there's, there's still a little bit of convincing the club needs to do by Endo. And yet I think he's done... I think Endo has done that simple thing that the, 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 a holding defensive midfielder has to do. And I think he does it really well. But there's just something about it, Joe, isn't there? Or is it just me? Where Klopp doesn't really... He hasn't really been playing him in the Premiership. He played him against Palace and brought him off quite early. When, again, I don't, I don't think he was necessarily um, doing anything any worse than anyone else. But while that balance is like that, the transition from midfield to the front three is a lot slower, isn't it? And it and it and it's 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 resulting in less chances per match, really, isn't it? But I know we're getting the job done, and, and I know where we are. You, you cannot argue with top of the league, but it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's it's it, you know you've got the the square peg in a round hole of 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 um, McAllister in that position, and then you've and yet you've got someone like Endo who naturally plays there. So why do you think Klopp is so resident to to to, to play Endo McAllister as lob as because it's he's only featured them once against it together yeah. against Palace and changed it very quickly. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. I must admit, I I, I agree with you on on um, on Endo against Palace. I thought he was slightly unlucky to come off at half time. I mean, it's one of them, isn't it? You know, we all we all watch different games sometimes. A lot of people were saying that. Palace targeted him, and, he, and, he, and I think he is a little bit slow. Well, it, you know that's quite obvious. He's just he's just off the pace, I think, a little bit for a Liverpool team and for for a Premier League team um, like Liverpool. But like you say, I think he's done a fairly steady job so far this season. I don't think he's the long term. I think Liverpool are still going to have to invest there. Um, whether that's January is might be unlikely, but certainly in the summer. Um, but I would certainly play him against United, and I think. And I think he he does offer you a fairly sensible often option. I think sometimes he's just a little bit out muscled. He was out muscled once or twice last night, and you you thought you know he just needs to to control it and release it a bit quicker. But yeah, Klopp I think just seems a little bit reluctant to play him, and I think that he played McAllister for a long time in that role. Sort of told you what you need to know about maybe where he sees Endo. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he's sort of one and done type, one season and done type player at Liverpool, but. But yeah, I think I think like you you're right, they've got a lot of midfielders, they've got a lot of quality, they just don't really have the right balance. Um be interested to see where Thiago plays when he comes back, whether he plays him defensively. Obviously it might take him a while to get back because he'll he'll have been out for almost a year when he comes comes back. Um and he'll only have six months left. So it, it it's gonna be interesting to sort of see what combination he does play once everyone's fit. But um I think slightly worrying is that Sabarzlai hasn't been as good recently, which I think has taken the shine off the midfield. I don't think Jones has been as good since he's come back from injury. So I still think he's looking for the right balance there. And I think that's what's been lacking in recent weeks. And you're seeing the forward line suffer a little bit because they haven't found the right balance in, in midfield. So, um, And again, it's not going to be any easier against United because they've got those injuries. And whether McAllister's is back for, for Arsenal is a slight concern because Arsenal, I think their big strength this season has been in midfield. You know, Declan Rice, I think, it just goes to show, doesn't it, when you spend big money on a player like Declan Rice, you get what you pay for because he, he's been brilliant for them. So, yeah, I, I'm not too sure what the right combination is for Liverpool in there. Um, you know, maybe maybe there's a chance for Elliot to get back in. But, yeah, I, I would play Endo certainly Sunday, I'd play Sir Bosley. I would probably play Gravenberch, although I'm, I'm, I'm yet to be convinced fully on Gravenberch and, and his role in the team. Um, so, it needs to settle down a bit in there, and the injuries certainly haven't helped. 
Well, I'll tell you what, guys, uh, Beth, um, if they're looking for a midfielder, there's a guy here, what's his name? He's signed for Real Madrid. His name's Be Bellingham. Um, I'll forever smash my head against the brick wall, wondering why that didn't happen. But um, it's remarkable, isn't it? But um, but Beth, it is that, isn't it? It's that conjuring act now, isn't it, with the midfield? And, and, and um, Gravenberg, as Joe says, in flashes, looks brilliant, very skillful, very quick-footed, uh, quick um, and always seems to drive forward. But it's finding that Gravenberg Gakpo combination, isn't it? Slobberslas hit the ground running, didn't he? Just hit the ground flying. Seems to, it seems to be. I don't know whether it's because he's he's doing more leg work now. He's less chance to, to 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 impress. I mean, hit. You know, he's he, he's known for hitting outside the box. He very really does it, does he? He's, he's every time the pitch the camera goes, he looks like he's just been drowned in a bucket of water. So I don't know whether he's just being asked to do four or five different roles, but we're certainly seeing less of an individual, aren't we, with him a more of a more of a sort of um, a bit of a dog's body, if you like, he's doing three or four different things. But it's just that midfield, Beth, that we need to get right. Yeah, I think it is just about finding that balance and, and making sure that it's a, a settled midfield. I think with, with Sabozlai, I think we're maybe judging him more harshly because of the fantastic start that he made. I think he probably surpassed a lot of people's expectations when he came in. The way that he hit the ground running um, was probably, you know, looked at in that first month or two of the season, like he could be on course to to be maybe player of the season and and was was absolutely fantastic. Got some good goals as well. But um, yeah, I think like you say, it, it's he's, he's struggled to shine as much um, in the last few games. But I also think that Liverpool collectively as a team, you know, there haven't been too many swashbuckling performances of late. So I think that's maybe an element as well. Um, I think I think he's still a top player. I think he's still, you know, he's, he's still a young player as well. He's only 20, 22, 23, is he? So he's, you know, he's got... Um, you know, he's still got more more levels to, to go through, more gears to go through. Um, but yeah, I think it is just I think it's hard to really say sort of what is Liverpool's best midfield three at the moment. I think when everyone's fit, I would like Enzo McAllister and Sabozlay in there. Um, like both of you. I, I think Endo's been unfortunate, really. I don't think he's he's done too much wrong. I think, yes, he's not gonna be a, a player that Liverpool rely on for years and years to come, but I think he just does does his job doesn't he and he keeps it simple and he doesn't need to be fantastic on the ball or doing anything too flashy because he's got players in front of him that can do that um but that being said actually I think sometimes it, we do think of him more as this sort of keeps it very simple um you know not a very flashy kind of player but some some of his, his range of passing at, at times has, has really impressed me obviously he took his goal fantastically um against Fulham the other week as well um I mean, I, I would like, I, I don't see Liverpool probably bringing in another midfielder in January, but I'd I'd like Liverpool to go for, for João Paulinho at, at Fulham. I know he's sort of a little bit out of the, the bracket for, for what FSG would usually go for in terms of he's a little bit older, he's probably more expensive than, than what the club would like to, to, to pay. But I just think he's that sort of, that destroyer kind of player that would really... Um, compliment, you know, having the likes of, of McAllister, Sabozlai, Gravenberch in front of him. But yeah, I don't think that one's going to happen. But um, I think it is just maybe going to be a bit of a, a trial and error to, to try and get the balance of that midfield right over the coming months. Yeah, there was talk of um, this Andre, wasn't it, from from um, from South America, who, you know, got won, won the. Um, Trindade, Andre Trindade, is it? And and you know, we won the cup for his team, and then was sort of saying all stuff about I'm 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 leaving, but I loved it and stuff. And then Liverpool come out and said we've never ever mentioned him. And yeah, he seems like one of the players that when people did look into it, he's kind of exactly the kind of player we need. Paulinho is a great shot by Beth. I mean, we looked at him, didn't we? After last season when he he was so good, and at the end of the year they were asking 18 million quid for him or something weird, something something ridiculous like that. But it's definitely, I definitely feel like we're missing that marauder. Aren't we, Joe? We've been spoiled in Liverpool. That's the thing. We've been spoiled over the years, generationally, decade after decade, with you, you know, your Graeme Soonesses and your and your Stephen Gerrards and your and your, your Jimmy Cases, if you like, your Alan Kennedy, uh, your Ray Kennedys, you know, who, who, who pile that ball forwards, Steve McMahon. Who, so it, it it's more of a it's more of a gaping hole, isn't it, in a Liverpool team than any others think, and, and it still is yet to be filled and and would have been if we'd have bought that new kid that you signed for. Real Madrid, I think his name's Bellingham. Um, <laughs> but um, it is, it is, it just feels like that's that missing thing, isn't it? That that's that's the, 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 the pivotal point, the fulcrum, if you like, for, for yeah. moving the club forward. 
Yeah, I think they just need that strong presence, don't they? In, in, in defensive midfield, he's sort of like, I don't know, the, Fabinho, for example, at his best, just ooze confidence. You knew that he would cover those small yards and, and pick up the ball and and, and, and he, he had a good range of passing and would get it back to, to the full backs then, and, you know, and, and they would get they would get Liverpool back on the attack. And I feel like I feel like Endo has that in him, but I just feel like he's slightly off the pace. And um, you know, he doesn't look quite strong enough maybe for the Premier League. Um that's why I like Declan Rice so much, because I feel like he, he backs himself, he uses class, he's 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 tall, strong, wins headers, wins tackles, and and just sort of operates in that area where Liverpool Liverpool lack class. Um and, and it would, I think you're right, Beth, I think it would sort of allow Sabozlai to sort of flourish a little bit more, the same for McAllister. Um, I wonder whether they, certainly in the mo- at the moment when they've got injuries, could tweak the formation a little bit, play 4-2-3-1 and just give Endo a bit more support, drop Sabozlai, which was the game. There was a game earlier this season where they dropped Sabozlai into a two and he was great. Um, I can't remember what, what game it was, but I remember them doing that and, and Sabozlai saw a lot of the ball and I thought he moved it really well. So maybe that's the answer for a little while. But the Andre one, they definitely looked at him in the summer. They realised they couldn't get him then because of the Brazilian season. And whether they've just decided since then that they, they, they're not that sure on him, I don't know. But people distance themselves from him now, which I find is slightly odd because he's, he's still young. He seems to have continued doing pretty well in Brazil. Um, and, and you would think that you could maybe bring him in and mould him whilst others like Endo continue to get a bit, a bit of football and um, Paulinho I can understand a little bit more because of you know what is, is he 28 29 going on 29 and, and probably would cost 60 to 80 million you can kind of get their stance on that but it's definitely a, a position that I think needs solving I don't think McAllis is long term there Endo definitely isn't long term Thiago's contract's running out and I'm sure they've got high hope for, for high hopes for Pesetic but with such a bad injury, we just don't know how he's going to come back. So um, it's definitely somewhere that I think Liverpool could strengthen. I mean, they're in centre-half and you sort of, Liverpool are in a good place, aren't they? So they've got a couple of, of clear weaknesses, but um, they've done well to, to get round it this season. They deserve credit because we haven't complained too much, but I think injuries are starting to bite now. And I feel like you can see that they're lacking a little bit. And I think Arsenal will be a real test of that because that's where their, their strength does seem to lie. Emotion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, they've really packed the midfield well, haven't they, Arsenal? And it, 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 Beth, he's right, isn't he? Joe's right. I mean, a lot of players you get from the Bundesliga and they don't really match up to it. The Bundesliga's a slower league and you get players, you know, you get like Timo Werner, who was flying, wasn't he? Uh, comes to Chelsea, struggles like mad. And then you got Endo. Um, there is a kid, though, who's just recently signed for Real Madrid called Bellingham. Um, anyway, comedy threes. I'll leave them alone. Um, he's right though. It's it's we've got some big games coming up, haven't we? And we, of course, the big test to Beth is going to be Arsenal, isn't it? Um, and we've got them. It's well, we've got them twice in a few days, haven't we? We've got them in the third round of the FA Cup. To ask you now, what would you uh, prefer going out of the FA Cup to Arsenal and beating them for the league, or beating them in the league position at the moment, or would you prefer? Um, Losing three points and getting past them in the FA Cup. I know what Joe, I know what Joe's answer is going to be, but I'll ask you first, Beth. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely take going out of the uh, the FA Cup and, and getting three points next weekend. I think you know this this has been sort of the big week that's been on the horizon for Liverpool for for quite a while now, isn't it? And I, I think I didn't think Liverpool would be in a stronger position as as they are. Um, and I, I think that the positive. With that is, you know, if Liverpool do slip up, then still going into Christmas, they will be, you know, in a, in a decent place in, in, in the mix. Um, but I think if they can get two wins against Manchester United and um, and Arsenal, I think Liverpool probably then become favourites to to maybe go on and win the league. I think, um, you know, we've had some disagreements in, uh, in the echo offices about uh, where we think Liverpool will finish up this season. Um, not mentioning any name, names, but... Uh, Coffee and Doyle doesn't believe that Liverpool have what it takes to, to go on and win the league. I disagree. I think, especially with City looking off the pace as, as they have done at times this season, um, you know, I still think that they will be, be bang up there near the end. But I, I just think this is a real opportunity this season for Liverpool to to go on and do something special. And and these next two games, I think, will be will be huge in that. I think 
especially with them both being at Anfield. Um, you know, that'll be, it'll be a real test and uh, and it's a real opportunity. I think when you look back at the, the season that Liverpool missed out by a point um, in 18-19, uh, I think one thing that that cost them a little bit was that they didn't didn't beat too many of the of the top six sort of certainly away from home, um, and and drew a few games at Anfield as well. So I think they they need to if Liverpool want to win the league, they've got to be beating these these top teams at Anfield, and I'm hopeful that that they will be able to do that over the next week. Yeah, shocking news. That's shocking to hear that. I mean, not shocking to hear that some people don't think Liverpool are good enough to win the league, but shocking to hear that Ian Doyle's still there. Um, only messing Doyle. Um, Joe, I know you had a lover of. The FA Cup. <laughs> that, that dusty, decrepit old competition. No, no. I'd rather I'd rather Liverpool lose both both games to Arsenal and beat West Ham in the, the quarterfinals of the League Cup. That's the, that's the real quiz. No, no, I, I, I agree with Beth. I mean, it, it, they've been handed. I, I think Liverpool and the FA Cup have been really, really unlucky, especially Klopp, hasn't he? You know, he always seems to get. You know, I don't. Who did Man City get? Huddersfield or someone like that? Um, and, and and Liverpool always seem to get a decent. A decent Premier League team early doors, and yeah, I think um, I think this will be a struggle. But I think if they can beat if they can beat Arsenal in the league, if they can win the next two games, I think it's massive because they've won those scrappy ones away from home, and then they'll go into Christmas, then they're going to Christmas top of the league, having beaten. You know, Man United might not be the team they are, but symbolic, you beat them. You perhaps get their manager sacked, just like in in 2018 when they beat when they beat Mourinho's United. It was like Boyan, this team is, is is the real deal. And I think it'll feel the same. And then if they can go and beat Arsenal, I think not only will they they take a big scalp and beat at the moment their nearest rivals at the top of the league. I think as well it'll it'll say something about Arsenal because I think the big question about for Arsenal is whether they can go away to the big teams and take points. And I think until Arsenal answer that question, they certainly won't convince a lot of us, myself included, that they, they can win the league. Um so if Liverpool can beat them, it's a sort of double-edged sword for them. They can they can they can take that scalp and they can place doubt into the minds of Arsenal that they're good enough to win the league. I mean, I never thought Liverpool would be good enough to win the league this year. I thought they could get back in it and, and I still thought they could finish second or third. I still think Man City will come through. We know what, what they're like, but I'm absolutely believe it the same as Beth. You know, this is an opportunity. And you know, I don't necessarily think you go into the, the, the league, you know, with I think what I'm trying to say is that I think the league opens up, doesn't it, as you as you play. And I think, you know, Man City can get a key injury and suddenly they're they're gone from being guaranteed to win the league to 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 a bit of a, a fight. And and if things go well for you, opportunities open up. And I feel like so far this season the opportunity has opened up for Liverpool to go and win this league. And that's why I'd like to see them sign players in January. That's why I'd like to see them really turn the screw in the next few games, because they can put themselves in a great position. They can make themselves believe. And and we know at Liverpool, once you get that momentum and once you get the belief among the players and the fans, they're a hard unit to stop, aren't they? So um, that's massive. So, yeah, I mean, if they can win the league, they can win the League Cup. could be the greatest season. <laughs> could be great if they can get past West Ham as well. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's no coincidence, is it, that no one talks, no one's been talking about Liverpool this season. It's all been how mighty Arsenal are, and how I'm surprised Newcastle they didn't they haven't just give them the league. It's, um, it's ridiculous, and it's amazing because it, it's part of that coincidence that that means that Liverpool have just snuck there to the top. Because when you're not in that public eye like that, and people aren't scrutinising everything about you, and then building building expectation on you, you're just allowed to do your business. If ever the next three games, I mean West Ham aside for the for, for the quarter final, but. If ever the next three games summed up what Liverpool's the diversity of what Liverpool's job's going to be, we've got Man United, uh, Arsenal, uh, and then Burnley, and then Newcastle. So if you knock the Man United on the side in the West Ham, Arsenal, Burnley, Newcastle. I mean, they're two games where you, you, you have all three of them. You'd expect we'll get a draw at Burnley or something ridiculous like that. It's having that consistency, isn't it? Which is what wins your titles. It's knowing that you can go out. I feel like we can go out and do Arsenal. I feel like we can go out and do Newcastle, but something tells me that there's a banana skin with Burnley's name written on it. <laughs> I mean, it's just that consistency, Beth, in it that, that, that's going to win us a title. If we can push on, we've just got to treat every game in this with the same kind of uh, concentration, the same kind of energy and the same kind of commitment. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. I mean, you, you can fully see Liverpool going and beating Manchester United and Arsenal and then and slipping up to Burnley. 
uh, on, is that on Boxing Day, the, the Burnley game? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah an, an unwelcome late Christmas present slipping up at, at, at Turf Moor. But um, yeah, I think Liverpool, I think that's why actually as sort of uh, ugly as some of the performances have been in recent weeks, the Sheffield United one in particular, it was really important because it's shown that this Liverpool side can weather those sort of slightly slightly banana skin kinds of games against away to newly promoted sides and hopefully they'll do that job again um against Burnley um and yeah I, I think you know it is a, it is a real bonus that the games against United and Arsenal being at Anfield I think the Arsenal one particular in particular I think last season obviously when they played Arsenal Liverpool was sort of didn't really have a lot to, to play for did the um, sort of at that point new top four was was probably a little bit too far out of reach. Um, but I think that the atmosphere will be completely different this time around, especially if, if Liverpool beat United. I think it will have all the hallmarks of a, of a top of the table clash and hopefully Anfield will be sort of at its rowdy, cautious best and and that can help Liverpool get over the line. But yeah, I think that will be a, it will be a nervy one, I imagine, against Burnley on Boxing Day. You can just see, I think if Liverpool ends up going and winning that one, it'll be probably some sort of narrow narrow win but um but they all count don't they and you know if Liverpool win the next three games one nil then I uh, am not complaining well and we'll be looking back on the Luton results won't we I mean the Palace results and all these ones where we just nicked it the last couple of I mean the Luton one was massive wasn't it I mean let's face it that was just a, a remarkable kind of uh comeback wasn't it and 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 to be on the edge of getting beat there and that was it Fulham or Luton I'm talking about Almost 4-3, wasn't I think it was Fulham, yeah. Oh, but to be fair, Luton, they, they got that late goal and it, it was a poor performance, but it, yeah. points like that, you know, they didn't get beat, they didn't get beat, which was important. Yeah. They're the ones that we're going to look back on. All right, very, very quickly, because we've come to the end of our time. It is full time here at um, Poetry in Motion. Very quick, Joe Rimmer, give us a, uh, give us the Joe Rimmer Man United score, please. 2-0 to Liverpool. 2-0 to Liverpool, I'm confident. Beth? Yeah, I'm going to go 2-0 as well. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go three nil. Not quite as confident as a seven, but as long as he just do the right thing and don't get too gung ho, um, we 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 should get to that comfortably. Famous last words. Uh, all right, thank you, Joe. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Great to see you. And we'll see you before. Have a fantastic Christmas and New Year, man. With the lovely kids. And you Thanks, mate. All the best. And to you, my friend. And Beth, all the very best to you. I hope the leggy is fully behind you. Come next week. Uh, I hope you have a lovely Christmas and New Year. Thanks for coming on board. Thanks, Fitzy. You too. Thank you. And to everyone listening once again. And also, I just have to say to uh, Ed Kay as well, who um, behind the scenes, uh, making sure this thing ticks along, along with Patrick Smith and a lot of other people who unfortunately um, are no longer with us, uh, are moving on to hopefully bigger and better jobs. Let's say that. Um, so good luck to you, Ed. Thanks for all your help, pal. And um, and to all of you listening, please keep listening. It's not a podcast without podcast without you guys listening, you girls. Please uh, keep supporting all of these podcasts and uh, have a fantastic Chris, Christmas and New Year. All the very best. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.